0: overwhelming focus on the corrupt politics of the covid pandemic election fraud and the overall demolition of america under sleepy joe biden has actually left another crisis in the shadows does anyone remember the opioid crisis you hear almost nothing about it anymore why do you suppose that is did you ever really have an opioid crisis have we really experienced such a thing in america and if so what was the real crisis everyone is aware of the greed associated with big pharma. they do promote drugs for the primary purpose of making a few elites very rich everybody knows that everyone has also heard about the corrupt opioid operations that were spearheaded by a few derelict physicians in small focal points across the country but they have been stopped And once again, our tyrannical government, as well as some completely corrupt medical boards, have gotten their dirty little fingers into the business of pain medicine. And if you think it's because they know so much about the science of pain and what is actually good for you, please think again. Now in America, the number of persons who wake up every morning in really severe pain and who go to bed in the evening in severe pain are more numerous than ever. And there's a big reason for that. The real story will devastate you, but you need to know the truth because that's when we begin to combat it. Welcome to Unity Without Compromise with your host, Dr. Steve LaTulip on America Out Loud Talk Radio. One of the most devastating crises of our time is actually the opioid crisis, but it is not what you think. You see, the real crisis is a direct result of incompetence in government agencies, including the FDA, the CDC, and the far-reaching and fully unaccountable medical boards across the country, all of which set the tone for how opioids are used and not used medically or otherwise. Once again, you, the American citizen, you, the patient, are the victim. And for that reason, it's important to know you good Americans, that your communist Democrat government is prepared to lock you down forever and don't think that the, quote, opioid crisis is not part of that schema. It's no accident that in the last Oregon election, the abuse of heroin, cocaine, hallucinogenic mushrooms, and other substances were actually legalized at the same time that taxes were increased for funding drug rehabilitation centers. You don't have to be a genius to see what's going on here. Just think dependence on government. That's the agenda. Now, anybody can check it out uh, for themselves. Go to the CDC website and actually look at the opioid statistics listed there on the CDC website, they reported nearly 50,000 overdose deaths in 2019. And they state that this is uh, greater than six times uh, the opioid involved overdose deaths compared to 1999. So over a period of 20 years, we've had a great increase in opioid overdose deaths. That sounds very scary. Yes, that does sound like a crisis. But of course, they will make it to sound like a crisis. The CDC on that same page claims that 38 people die every day from overdoses involving prescription opioids. Now, notice the wording and those statements. Opioid involved... And deaths involving opioid prescriptions. Well, here's what they don't tell you, and this is very significant. You see, when they determine an overdose death and actually do a toxicology analysis, they determine that any detectable amount of opioid that is present in that analysis. Constitutes a quote, opioid death. Do you understand the significance of that? What they don't tell you also is that the prescription opioid overdose and deaths in chronic patients of pain is extremely rare. Now, the significance is this if you have a trace of, say, hydrocodone, oxycodone, methadone, name your opioid. The smallest trace of it uh, being present suggests an opioid death. You could have had a toxic amount of any other substance in the bloodstream, the real cause of death, such as an overwhelming amount of alcohol, cocaine, or uh, methamphetamine, or any other substance. But if a trace of opioid is present, it is labeled. And opioid death. That is a huge, huge problem. They don't tell you the other substances that are more likely to have actually caused the death. And you must realize that the overwhelming majority of chronic pain sufferers are not opioid abusers and misusers. So, where is the opioid crisis coming from? Who is creating the real opioid problem? Now, I will grant them, the CDC does admit that, quote, drug overdose deaths can be hard to categorize. That's their little disclaimer so that they're not called out on their abusive um, confusing of the scenario but we must realize that most overdose deaths actually involve heroin and illicitly manufactured fentanyl. Remember, heroin is now legal in Oregon, but not actually yet prescribed. It is still a class one, a schedule one drug according to the the DEA. A Schedule One drug is defined as a drug that has no medicinal purpose. And so, as yet, most physicians uh, are not even thinking about prescribing heroin, but it's now legalized and allowed, at least in Oregon. Most physicians also do not prescribe fentanyl for chronic pain due to its inherent risks. It's a very long-term opioid, and actually, it should never be prescribed in the opioid-naive patient. That is the patient that has never taken any other form of opioids in the past, or at least at present time. Virtually, all of the heroin and fentanyl that is being used in America comes from drug cartels south of the border. Some fentanyl has been sent from China. They would love to destroy us. Now, if you again go back to the CDC website and look at their pain statistics, in 29, you will find that 20.4% of adults, that's roughly one in five, suffers from chronic pain. One-third of these actually have a significantly compromised quality of life meaning that they are dysfunctional in their everyday activities, or they are absolutely unable or highly restricted and limited in their work or in their capacity to perform uh, work in gainful employment. This more severe pain is called, quote, high-impact chronic pain, Pain does increase with age uh, to a certain point. Roughly, the turning point is about at age 90 years when pain tolerance seems to increase, perhaps as a preparation for death. It might be a protective benefit that we have if we are blessed with living to that age if you look at the breakdown according to race caucasians are uh, account for 23.6 percent of chronic pain sufferers blacks 19.3 percent hispanics 13 percent and asians 6.8 percent no explanation is offered for those statistics However, they do point out that rural living is associated with increased pain, and that perhaps does make sense, because if you live out in the country, you've got to man up and do things for yourself, that you have more physical labor to do, you have fewer resources available to you, and therefore, the likelihood of you actually doing physical-type labor that can cause pain would increase. So let's say you are a victim of chronic pain, and when your pain is not controlled, what options do you actually have, and how far would you go to find relief from that pain? In the history of mankind, the search for relief from any form of pain suffering has caused us to seek any and all avenues to relieve ourselves of pain. You might seek alcohol. Does alcohol help relieve pain? It most certainly does. And you might even seek street drugs if you cannot find a source of medications to be prescribed to you to control your pain. Absolutely. If the pain is bad enough, you will look for relief. You will might consider even non-opioid drug abuse. And there are medications out there that are being abused uh, that are not in the opioid class. Or you might just suck it up and say, this is my fate and I will just remain inactive and perhaps bedridden. Or you might even decide to escape the pain by suicide, by taking your own life. When the pain is severe enough, more intense than average, and when it's long enough and persisting so that you have absolutely no life, the thought of suicide as a pain control method becomes increasingly more real. Some patients actually try to be good citizens and realize the risk of opioids, the risk of abuse that is, and so they avoid them, but they will have no qualms about taking excessive doses of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications, such as ibuprofen or naproxen. The problem with these is that when they are taken in excess, they destroy the kidneys. They also can induce a chronic headache Yes, if you have a chronic headache, the first thing to do is to stop taking any non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications. They also can increase the risk significantly of GI bleeding, and they can truly tear up a stomach and an esophagus. Some people go to another pain reliever, an analgesic without anti-inflammatory properties, This is Tylenol or acetaminophen, and Tylenol abuse or excessive dosing and misuse can be very toxic to the liver. And as I said, it does nothing to reduce inflammation. It has no anti-inflammatory properties, but many people do find some relief from Tylenol. Where can you go for pain control? What other options do you have besides substances? Well, there's cognitive behavioral therapy or a form of counseling that helps you to tune into your pain and into ways that you can alleviate your pain by proper thinking. And believe it or not, that does have some merit. But when your pain becomes severe enough, it's almost a guarantee you are looking for a substance to relieve you of that pain. When your dysfunction and quality of life are extreme, then life can sometimes become not worthy of living. You become unable to work, and when that happens, your self-image plummets. You suddenly lose interest in socializing, and you feel guilty for not doing, for not participating in life, and then ultimately that leads to hopelessness. Now, when you're in that state of mind, think about what happens to family relationships. Eventually you get into the mode that you are a victim and there's nothing you can do about it. And then you start playing that role very well. And that leads to ever increasing anxiety as well as depression. It also leads to an embedding of your pain into your brain, and that can further increase the intensity of your pain. We call that centralization of pain. We also call it catastrophizing of pain because when your pain is severe enough, it becomes your central focus. The emotional pain manifestations then are released continually, and as you catastrophize, your situation just gets worse and worse every day. Now, when this happens in society, we become a broken down society. We become less productive. We're not able to work. We're not able to complete our jobs. Suicide rates increase significantly, and depression and anxiety Escalate a tremendous amount. Drug addiction becomes more of a norm. And if you look around you, what exactly do we see? We see these very things occurring every day. Addiction often stems actually from self treatment of pain and also self treatment of depression and anxiety. And I assure you, pain. Anxiety and depression go together very, very commonly. Perhaps I don't really need to make that statement because anyone who has suffered from any form of severe pain knows just how debilitating pain can be. But what are our options? How does one cope? And what can you do when you have a government telling you that you are an evil person if you are seeking relief from a certain class of medications called opioids. What do we actually know about the science of pain? Well, the truth is we really don't know nearly as much as you might think. We have a lot of pain definitions and we have a lot of distorted definitions of Pain terminology. And so there's a lot of confusion about the verbiage. Take the term central pain syndrome. The official definition of central pain syndrome is a pain that develops after having a stroke. Now, having a stroke is painless, but the consequences of the stroke that causes debilitation can actually lead to a central pain but do we really know what that is? We recently have had new terms thrown out at us in the science of pain. One is arachnoiditis, any word that ends with the, uh, with the Stamitis uh, means inflammation. There is glial cell inflammation. Those are the, the ones believed to be supportive uh, cells in the brain, but they actually have a great function and they do a lot more than support the nerve tracts and things like that, the nerve cells, and they can be inflamed. If you look up pain, you can find it categorized in in perhaps as many ways as you could imagine. There is inflammatory pain, such as inflammatory arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis or Chagrin syndrome or some of the other conditions like systemic erythematosis. Or systemic lupus erythematosus. These are inflammatory pains, and they can be easily detected. There's also nerve pain or somatic pain, which just is a, a broad term for body pain, including muscle and joint pains. But how do you sort that out so that you can properly treat it? Well, let me tell you that a great deal of misuse of opioids uh, caused by prescription medications stems from one very simple problem, and that is determining what is central pain versus all other categories of pain. And knowing the difference is critical, but physicians, for the most part, have no idea how to sort that out. Central pain is actually a pain that is triggered by a very significant past traumatic event that causes a lot of emotion associated with the event. It could possibly be physical or mental abuse. It could stem from an injury or something that is just personally devastating. And that starts a sequence of central pain. The central pain cascade is something that needs to be learned and actually taught in medicine. I'll actually discuss that next week. But understanding the mechanism for central pain is very complex because it's very integrated. In medicine, we are learned that certain parts are connected to other parts and function in certain ways that affect other organ systems In a nutshell, you could say that the brain is connected to the rest of the body. And in medicine, that is a principle that must never be forgotten because emotions and pain are highly, highly integrated. All pain is actually processed in the brain and perceived in the brain. So when you say, I hurt, I have have pain, your brain is actually telling you that. You might feel the pain in your thumb, in your hand, in your legs, elsewhere, but your brain is telling you that is pain. Now, the interesting thing is that central pain is actually curable, although the medical literature actually does not support this view. The other types of pain, the acute somatic pain or degenerative somatic pain that is chronic like arthritis or repetitive from uh, worn out joints or the autoimmune type of chronic inflammatory pain or neuropathic pain has to be sorted out if it is going to be treated properly. And some of that has led to the opioid crisis. Some of that has led to you people seeking the wrong medications on the streets. And yes, that can contribute to an opioid crisis. But when your government says to your physicians that you cannot prescribe certain medications because we think it's wrong and we think it's causing a problem, you'd better learn the facts because you could be so highly deceived by your government. And I would suggest you are that you will never seek even a proper diagnosis for your pain. And how then can you ever get to a proper treatment for that pain? The answer is you cannot. And therefore, we need to really clarify what we mean when we are talking about an opioid crisis. You have seen from the CDC that the statistics of an opioid death have been severely, severely distorted. If you want to really entertain yourself and see what some pain prescribing physicians, pain management physicians are up against, look up the California Death Certificate Project. It is an atrocity. It is an attack against all pain physicians. Anybody, any physician or other medical provider mid-levels who are prescribing pain medications in this day and age actually put a big target on their back. And it's a target that attracts the government figures, including any government agency Uh, and especially of concern are the corrupt medical boards that now control physicians in a way that is criminal. We must realize that the real opioid crisis is a problem with an open border crisis. Drug cartels are thriving with the influx of opioids in our country, and those opioids are not making it to the people who suffer from chronic pain. They are rather reaching our youth, our young population that wants to get high. Medica boards actually know nothing about pain management, and this must be understood. They know nothing about actual pain management, and yet they determine everything regarding the fate of a pain-treating physician. This is not a good situation. Unfortunately, many abusive tactics are being used by medical boards and by the CDC and other agencies including politicians who want to promote the opioid crisis agenda, much like the coronavirus pandemic crisis. They include false reasoning, and they use much pseudoscience to destroy, to actually destroy many good physicians. They simply don't know what they're talking about. I could discuss this in detail, talking about Uh, morphine milligram equivalent dosing with other opioids that aren't even related. This is pseudoscience. QT prolongation is a a condition that can actually happen with certain substances like methadone, but you don't, the medical boards don't know that this doesn't even occur until you start using very high doses. And when you look at the true opioid statistics the fact remains that very few chronic pain sufferers are overdosing on opioids or abusing opioids. There's an agency out there, uh, very similar to the ACLU, if you want an analogy, they're called Physicians for Responsible Opioid Prescribing. Now, when I first saw that title, I thought, oh, that's a great thing. But the truth is, They are not at all what they claim to be. They are actually an anti-opioid activist group. They are radical, and they are truly rebels without a just cause. Names can be so very deceiving. Keep that in mind. This is part of the mechanism of propaganda to mislead people. You should not be led to believe that because you have been prescribed an opioid for chronic pain, that you are somehow guilty, somehow an evil person, almost as if you were born a white person in the face of critical race theory. This is false. This is deception. Political agendas always negate rational thinking, and so we need to come to our rational minds and actually engage our synapses of the brain and think about what's really happening here. We have now before us more government madness because they are criminalizing pain physicians and at the same time, decriminalizing abusive drugs. Remember, psychedelic drugs like LSD Mushrooms, cocaine, and heroin can all be obtained freely without any repercussions. What does that do to a person who now considers that to be fair game? Does anyone recall their first hit of heroin or their first dosing, if you will, of cocaine? How how did you fare after that? What were your thoughts diverted to? This is what addiction leads to, and it makes you dependent on the government. Of course, the question remains, should drug abuse be a criminal offense or is it just a medical mishap? Again, we have to think about what is the purpose behind a government agenda that legalizes very abusive drugs while at the same time offering rehabilitation centers. What are they seeking? To answer the question, should drug abuse be a criminal offense? Well, it's a tough one to answer, but the bottom line is that the free will to choose has to have some impact on us. It has to have some validity in society because everything comes down to a choice. I will choose to be a good citizen or a bad citizen a criminal or a law abiding citizen. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is to rationally think and to honestly evaluate each individual and to decide what is the real treatment needed and what is the real problem. If we don't do that, we are simply lost. This is Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm talking about the criminalization of pain medicine in America today, another government fiasco that really does need fix because it is controlling you. When I return, I'd like to take a brief look at what the Bible says about physical pain and then discuss A few other things that might have a great impact on your life, such as, is rational pain management truly possible? And what can you do to help control your pain so that you can get back into the fight of life and the joys of living? I'll be right back after this break.
1: Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. and That's HealthyCell.com. H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code loud for 20% off. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
0: You're listening to Unity Without Compromise, on America Out Loud Talk Radio with Dr. Steve LaTulip. Today I'm talking about the criminalization of pain medicine in America. Another government fiasco that does need fixed. There's a lot of people out there who are now suffering with severe chronic pain and nothing's quite getting it because... Most of the physicians who will give you anything for pain will not use any opioid therapy whatsoever. They simply do not want to risk losing their license. Well, let's start with this. What does the Bible say about physical pain? Well, the honest answer is that the Bible says very, very little about treatment of chronic pain. We are told that pain is going to be a fact of life for the human population as a whole, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, we see God telling Eve, because of the fall of mankind, in pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, I know that to be a fact, because in my days of obstetrics, I delivered a good number of babies, and I could jokingly say that I had some high frequency hearing loss because of women uh, actually verbalizing and vocalizing their pain through screaming and cussing. And uh, it was not always a very pleasant experience at the moment of childbirth. And in pain, many women do suffer uh, as they bring forth a child. Uh, But maybe my high-frequency hearing loss was actually due to jet noise, jet engines. I don't know. And let's see. To Adam, he was told, cursed is the ground, and in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And also, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, Now, beyond these points of saying, look, you're going to suffer, you're going to have a hard time in life, we really don't have much of any focus on pain. We hear of the Apostle Paul having some thorn in the flesh, and God said, no, I won't take it from you, because if I do, you might get too arrogant. You might forget that you are a human being with limitations, and you might not follow me. Now, I'm not suggesting that Your pain is a direct act of God. It could be a direct act of your own stupidity and mine. I did a lot of crazy things in my time. I played a lot of mean hockey. And fortunately, I don't suffer any significant pain uh, from those activities, but I could have. And all it takes is one mishap in life, such as an auto collision or something else to make us a chronic pain sufferer. This is not good. However, we must also realize that yes, rational pain management is possible. You can be effectively treated for chronic pain. And yes, you can influence your own pain therapy, but it requires a holistic, lowercase w there, approach that considers the whole person and yes, a pain regimen can safely be prescribed, including opioids in the right dose, the right schedule, the right quantity, and the right opioid. You see, we do have opioid receptors in our body, and our body does produce opioid-like substances They are endogenous opioids, endorphins, and they are there for relief of pain and actually even for pleasure. Uh, This is what gives us the runner's high, for example. When I flew fighter aircraft, I looked forward to the next air combat scenario because pulling Gs, gave me a high. It was fun, I was ready for another fight on another day because it felt good to go out there and pull some Gs, thanks to the opioids in my body. Yes, pain can be effectively controlled in such a way that a person actually becomes highly functional, but it takes a physician who knows what he's doing and there in is a big problem as well and that problem is getting worse because no physician in his right mind in this day and age wants to be a target by prescribing pain medications but pain control does begin with good science and with good medicine the first thing you have to do to get control of chronic pain is have a correct and a thorough evaluation to come up with a right pain diagnosis. That means that the source of your pain needs to be rooted out to get to the initial source of pain and understand what triggered it in the first place is critically important. And to understand why your pain is continuing day in and day out is critical to knowing how to treat it. There are many good non opioid therapies, including non steroidals at certain doses, and many other classes of medications that do effectively treat pain. There are some very good opioids, including buprenorphine or suboxone and methadone. When they are properly used, they are extremely effective. In fact, those were my number one and number two pain medications for my chronic pain patients who actually needed assistance with opioid therapy because their chronic pain was so severe. These two medications, buprenorphine and methadone, are actually the same drugs that are used in drug rehabilitation for opioid addiction and dependence. The reason why they are so good for pain is because of their pain-relieving properties, but also they are beneficial because they do not trigger an opioid craving. Hence, that's why they are used in addiction therapy. But there's a lot of other non-medication therapies that, can, that people can use to benefit them, and the results can be amazing if you would only give them a try. For example, exercise, low-impact exercise, such as walking, bicycling, Uh, aquatic therapy or swimming, if you're able to do that, these activities get the joints moving and use the muscles and increase lung capacity, which increases blood circulation to the muscles and to the joints. And that can have a tremendously good impact uh, for people in controlling their pain. Another extremely good pain reliever is in the process of weight management the morbidity and mortality from obesity is right behind cigarette smoking, believe it or not. Cigarette smoking is number one, the number one cause of a shorter life, and obesity is number two. It cannot be ignored. And when we have an obesity crisis in America, like we do, something needs to be done about it and you need to be told that it is a problem and treating obesity can actually also be very effective such as in treating pain medicine and the more you treat the obesity the more you treat pain now there are exceptions to that rule and some of you are out there saying you're crazy because I'm really thin I've got a very low body mass index and I'm practically anorexic and I still have a lot of pain okay Um, And that's where we have to sort out what type of pain do you really have. But if you choose to modify your diet in such a way that you can reduce or minimize carbs in your diet, you are eliminating a pro-inflammatory substance that definitely causes worsening of all forms of pain. Yes, what I am saying is processed sugar is enemy Number one in the diet, not fat, not protein, but sugar, processed sugar. When you try to get control of pain, what you have to do is implement a biopsychosocial spiritual model or a whole person concept of treatment. When that is effectively done, the patient participates in pain reduction and good things then begin to happen and they can happen for you. Oh, yes, there's another thing that must be understood, and I might cause a few enemies in stating this because you are so vehemently opposed to stopping a certain medication or a class of medication, and that is the benzodiazepine class. The benzodiazepines include medications like Xanax, and Valium or Alpreslam, diazepam, and uh, lorazepam. All these medications are called benzodiazepines and The CDC actually does get it right in their CDC opioid prescribing guidelines for chronic pain that was produced in 2016. They declared that prescribing benzodiazepines with opioids is not a good idea, and I must give the CDC credit for that. That is a statement that cannot be overstated. We must recognize that we do have a benzodiazepine crisis in America, and this is perhaps the top error that physicians are still making benzodiazepines must be avoided like the plague. And I do hope physicians are listening. Benzodiazepine withdrawal is a complete withdrawal from hell. And for that reason, you would cherish your benzo prescription more than your opioid prescription an abrupt withdrawal of benzodiazepines, by the way, can kill you. An abrupt withdrawal from opioids will not kill you. It may be miserable, but it will not kill you. Now, if you are one of those victims taking chronic benzodiazepines long-term, you have to realize that you are dependent on the benzodiazepines, which means that if you stop those medications, you will suffer a withdrawal from it. And you must also realize that if you are a chronic pain sufferer and taking benzodiazepines, then your pain is being centralized. It is being more focused in your brain and central pain is being escalated and formed. When central pain is increased in the brain, there's a term for that called hyperalgesia, and it means that you are feeling more pain than you normally would feel. And therefore, whenever I have a rescue patient that comes into me for severe pain, the first thing I have to ask them is, are you on a benzodiazepine? Because you must realize that your other medications even though they may be good will not be effective until the benzodiazepines are stopped. Period, and this is critical for you to understand. And you must also realize that most physicians, most physical physician assistants, most nurse practitioners are clueless about this fact. You will never be physically or emotionally stable until the benzodiazepines are stopped. Some of you out there who may be taking benzos will say, well, no, I don't have a problem with it. I just take it when I need it. And that would be about every three days and it would be taken for anxiety. And that anxiety is because of the induction of anxiety from a withdrawal from the benzodiazepine, which takes about three days to really begin. To keep away from the benzodiazepine withdrawals, you would have to continue taking the medication at least some dose. And that withdrawal initially manifests as anxiety. And for that reason, you say, oh, that's the only thing that works for my anxiety. Realize what you're up against because that is not the truth. The truth is the benzodiazepine withdrawal is causing your anxiety. So the only time I've ever used benzodiazepines such as Versed was when I was doing, performing a colonoscopy or an upper endoscopy, a surgical procedure that required um, a moderate sedation or what was called conscious sedation. Um, but chronic users realize this, chronic use of a benzodiazepine is sure to throw you out of control. And you as a patient must understand this fact because the chances are your physician does not. Well, I can almost hear some of you out there saying, well, wait a minute, who do you think you are? Well, you know, that's a very good question. Um, I am or was, until my license was suspended, a board-certified physician in family medicine. However, pain and addiction medicine was a large part of my practice. And believe it or not, I was pretty good in those. Uh, every pain patient I had was completely functional. Opioid abuse by my pain patients uh, did not occur. It really did not occur. And I emphasize opioid abuse by chronic pain patients is highly overrated. In my pain practice, never once did I create a drug addict Never once did I have a patient who overdosed on opioids, not once did I have a suicide. Every one of my patients was highly functional because they were properly diagnosed and effectively treated. There's a concept that should be introduced in opioid prescribing and that's called functional sealing doses. And they are one of the keys to effective pain management. In a nutshell, it means you don't go too high on the opioid medication, but you control the pain. If you effectively treat any medication or correction, if you correctively treat any type of pain effectively so that it is controlled, then what happens is over time, the functional ceiling doses are decreased for any patient. You require less of an opioid or at Worst, you are stable on a low opioid dose when taken in combination with other medications. But I will tell you this, that a great number of my pain patients had all their pain medications removed, and it may have taken one, two, or three years, but many of my chronic pain patients became non-medication takers. They were able to control their pain very effectively with therapeutic lifestyle changes. But, but where are my chronic pain patients now? The ones that I was still treating? Well, like I said, if you are a pain treating physician, you are a target of the medical boards. And despite my having a spotless record and excellent outcomes in pain, after my license was suspended by the Oregon Medical Board, They wanted to drive nails in the coffin, and therefore, they challenged me once they found out I was a pain prescriber. Uh, They actually challenged me and opened an investigation because I was actually following the CDC guidelines. And that's why it's nearly impossible to find a physician who practices pain management in this day and age. My pain patients were abandoned, courtesy of the Oregon Medical Board. And some of them are not doing so well because their pain is uncontrolled. Some of them are now applying for disability. Some of them are seeking street medications, and they've told me so. Some of them have a very poor quality of life, and a few have told me that they don't care any longer if they live or die. Who will care for them? All the good physicians are quitting pain management because treating pain is no longer Politically correct. And this is a travesty. Yes, I was a family physician who understood pain medicine very well. And for that reason, I had referrals from pain clinics from neurologists, from neurosurgeons, from orthopedists when they could not get a person's pain under control. There's a reason for that. I did restore many hundreds of lives through the years, and I did lecture physicians in pain management, and I taught specifically on central pain. I received the referrals from physicians who had simply nothing more to offer treatment in pain And every single one of those patients became functional. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because our government is out of control. And the more that the government can control you by keeping your pain uncontrolled, then they own you. You become more dependent on the government. You become more willing to yield to anything they tell you to do because you are living in victim mode. And that will never do if you are to be a patriot. My heart really does go out to you patients who are chronic pain sufferers. And that was the reason that I began a pain medicine practice and addiction medicine practice. Physicians must understand and patients must understand that not until physicians decide to start once again living by the Hippocratic oath. That is living in such a way that you treat your patients as your chief reason for functioning as a physician and not until physicians join together against the government's total bastardization of medicine will pain patients ever again find solace and relief from their pain. That is the real crisis in America. The pain crisis, not the opioid crisis. Rational pain management truly is possible. Every one of my pain patients was functional. Every one of them were content. They were happy. They were living a high quality of life. So please do not give up hope. It can be done. It needs to be taught, but the obstacles of corrupt medical boards will not even allow it, not even allow the research in this day and age. That is a problem. But rational pain management truly is a possibility. It will take a restoration of medicine by placing physicians back in control. Now, don't hold your breath. How long will that take to happen? Who knows if it will ever happen again in America? Right now, this ain't America. But you must realize that if you are living in a victim mode, regardless of what your pain situation is, then you are helpless and your pain will likely only get worse. So what can you do to fight this wrong? Because that's what you need to know today. Well, first of all, take control of what you can in your own life. If you can reduce the carbs in your diet, you can reduce the inflammation in those joints. And I saw this repeatedly, and I saw results within one to three days of cutting out the carbs in your diet, regardless of your source of pain. Secondly, do learn the truth about pain management and learn the propaganda that is Surrounding the opioid crisis, because the opioid crisis is really a drug abuse crisis. It is a southern border crisis. You can contact your state medical board and put some pressure on them. And I guarantee you many of my patients did. And I was glad they did because they were hurting in a real severe way. You must realize also that when it comes to emotional pain, the natural urge to reach out for a substance to control that pain is the wrong thing to do. You have to understand some of the science of pain and find out how it can really be actually well-controlled without creating a drug addict or without recreating a zombie from high dose opioid prescribing, that is always wrong. And if you are one of the victims that is still on a benzodiazepine, repeat after me, benzos are bad. Avoid them at all costs. Don't ever allow any physician or mid-level provider to prescribe you long-term benzodiazepines. It is initially a very sweet pill that works very well as it's going down. But over time, it becomes increasingly bitter and will throw your life out of control. That can never be a good thing. You have been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Please remember that unity comes only through speaking the truth plainly, speaking it boldly, and with good intent. This takes discipline and it takes courage. It is a freedom fight and we are at war And for that reason, I do hope and pray that you'll decide to be a warrior for righteousness today and every day. If you have a family member with out-of-control pain, please get them to seek some help. Get them to take some control of their own lives. Don't accept anything, any comment that puts them in a victim mode. Next week, I want to talk about the untold story of central pain because millions and millions of people suffer from that. And when you understand central pain, you will go a long way in making that pain go away. Until then, have a great week. Please do live for the Lord. Adieu.